That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a rewatch podcast where, to varying degrees of success and insight, we watch Zack Snyder's Dawn of Justice a minute at a time, and then... We podcast about it. We have passed minute 44. We've reached 45 minutes, another milestone. Are we going to mark every five-minute milestone? I think every every amount of time that I tell someone I'm going to be there in... <laughs> minute 45 we are contrary to all the people talking about this movie being so grim and dour um we return to bruce wayne touching the blood oozing from martha wayne's tomb so this is the moment when you realize you were dreaming yeah well it, it was very a very similar feeling to when he floated in the beginning of the movie where it's like his feet start to lift off and the, the initial reaction is wait what oh okay it's it's clearly a dream and so the blood started coming out of the tomb and i think it was very much like oh, that's not oh Oh, slow motion, slow music. Okay, we're, yeah. Boy, the rich don't even lay in state like the rest of us. They ooze. Well, and it's like black also, which I think, I know a lot of that is the, is like the sort of the, the grade, the sure. color grade for the, for the scene. Uh, but even so, whatever it was that they shot on set, they didn't shoot with like, with like red blood. They shot with something that was even darker, I felt like. Or, or they shot with like, which is basically to the same end. They shot with like the actual color of blood, which you're kind of not allowed to use like when you film. Right. Because it's so deeply troubling for people. Well, like I said a couple minutes ago, how much of this movie kind of is shot almost like a horror movie. And, and, and this is kind of one of those elements of the blood is just so black. And then when you're busy asking that, a giant demonic creature smashes out of Martha Wayne's tomb and grabs onto him, which I realize after the fact might be because we were talking the previous minute about how Bruce has fashioned himself. He sees the stain, like his brain is trying to show him the image of the blue and red clad angel, like in the city in flames. And he is saying, oh, yes, that's me. It's followed up immediately with a giant demonic bat is desecrating your dead mother. <laughs> yeah. Or like he's looking not. I think there's that, but there's also a, um, I don't know, some people might say this is, is more more contrived almost, but I think the idea is his inspiration for what he is or what made him who he is, is in those tombs, right? He is, he is Batman in response to his dead parents and so that no one else should have to bury their own parents. And now, what, so the thing that is in the tomb that is supposed to be his guiding light, is a demon. It is a vivid jump scare. We should take care to place it alongside all of the other images that Bruce is having as, like, recurring nightmares. Yeah. Then he wakes up. It's a very interesting way thing for to wake up to for Batman. And I feel like almost every Bruce scene, I guess we didn't say it in the last minute, but almost every Bruce scene, we kind of come back to this version of Bruce Wayne that we haven't exactly seen in a movie before. And I, I hate the word version, though, because that I think version kind of implies that it's something different. Where yeah. 
it it is the it is the same Bruce. I I I, I truly believe everything about him is is the same. He has just been presented with different circumstances. But I believe that all of the circumstances he's faced, he has dealt with in the way that the Bruce Wayne, every version of him that I, I mean, you know, except for like maybe the Adam West version. Um, although, you know, if he had faced, you know, Superman, maybe, <laughs> maybe he gets to come to this too. Who knows? <laughs> no, no. But yeah, to, to your point, like, I feel like this is the scene that would just not be shown in those other stories. Yeah, but it's not only is it kind of implied that this scene does happen in other versions of the stories, um, but also he's he's pushed so much further in this. And so the fact that it's there's a very specific point that he doesn't just have the glass of wine that he fell asleep with, but he also goes to it when he woke up. And then as if uh, there was any lingering question of exactly what he you know, how much he was leaning on substances to kind of get through this he then opens a bottle of pills i don't know if we know exactly what it is but i think the implication that i just kind of was pretty easy for me was that it's pain pills and he relies on them basically like max pain yeah. because <laughs> because he just lives a life of constant agony from or that's sh- his excuse well that's how we at least got hooked on him initially yeah. um yeah. just because he's in constant pain and agony physically from Existing injuries, past injuries that he never he'll you know this is not a Bruce that can hang from a from a rope and get his back corrected after having it broken by Bane <laughs> like that you know his injuries are clearly his scars don't heal um in the way that like a comic book version of the character does and I referenced this in the last minute but that the the alcohol once again sort of a sign of deception I think that he going to it sort of implies that he's trying to bury. I think we talked about the last scene sort of being an example of his internal, like his moral compass, um, or there were elements of truth there of, yes, maybe he thinks he's the archangel, but it's also a reminder of it's his subconscious telling him he's lost his way, that his guiding light in the tomb, Martha, is no, you know, that's not Martha in there. It's a, it's a deception. It's a, it's a, a, a twisted version of what he was intended to be. And he doesn't want to hear it in the same way that he doesn't listen to Alfred. He's also not listening to his dreams and he's immediately going for the bottles of, um, yeah. of both pills and, and wine. Also another interesting flashback to the, the Lex moment we just left both of them like drinking in the morning. Oh, good. Yeah. Good point. Wow. I think we also get a, re- a reaction later from, from Alfred of like, wow. Okay. You use a 1945, you used a thousands of dollars bottle of wine. Um, I'm always curious about what is supposed to be conveyed by the fact that he goes for the bottle first, and then which, which bottle? The Chateau Margaux. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it's empty. Yeah. So then he's like, "Okay, fine. I'll drink what's in the glass." Yeah. Like he was about to chug. Like he he starts like you said starts off his day by basically just, "Okay, let's shove all of that to the back of my mind." Yeah. Well, and it was reflexive. Also, it's not like he sat up and looked around and thought. Oh, hey, there's a bottle. Let's see if there's anything left. It was like hitting the snooze button on, a, on an alarm clock. <laughs> we, this is the first shot that we get of his, you know, lake house, which is clearly designed. It's weird because it, it's a glass house would imply you have nothing to hide. But with this, it's almost like there's nothing to see. He's still somehow uh, exposed, but is totally alone. Because the truth is all in the in the Batcave. He buried it. He's buried 
This his, is what his, he lets us his, see. His true self is literally buried beneath the surface and he won't reveal it to anyone. And so what you can see is surface. Nothing. I'm so used to seeing Bruce Wayne like pretending to care about the finer things, whereas this Bruce is just he's done pretending. And this is also the um do you know anything about this image over the bed? It's the the Maplethorpe. Enlighten me. I guess some people claim his photography is basically pornographic, and he believed it could arouse the viewer, yet still be regarded as high art, and is used to draw attention to the sort of perverted nature of the scene and highlight Bruce's pain and how he's using sex, drugs, and alcohol to kind of mask that. And, uh, you know, it's written on ScreenRant.com, so it's got to be true. Yeah, I guess if people don't already know to be looking at every piece of artwork that is hung on every wall. Yeah, that's I I have a really hard time. I've got a pretty good eye for detail, but I'm really bad about looking at stuff like art in movies because I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good enough library in my head to to recognize the the era or the artist or or really get anything particular out of that. So I'm more someone that looks for like items or words or whatever. But taking the time to go through this minute by minute. That's been the sort of the most fascinating thing is not just the frequency with which there is art, but how meticulously selected it is and how it all also informs the film's visual aesthetic uh, from color palette to overall you know themes and everything. And it's been one of the more kind of enlightening aspects of doing this whole project. Or I guess, so Zach said specifically on, on Vero, he's, he said, quote, here's an easy one, the Maplethorpe above his bed. I chose to re- represent the erotic as a drug that Bruce uses sex to momentarily forget his pain. So I think that's kind of in the text, clearly. It's not like, once again, I didn't know, I don't, I don't, I never knew what a Maplethorpe was before this was mentioned. Like I said, I'm not super into, um, into art in that way. But the, like, he wakes up and there is a, a faceless woman in his bed and he's resorting to pills and alcohol. You don't need a Maplethorpe to know what's going on there. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It's, it's just additional kind of flavoring of the, of the scene. That's it, right? It just ends with him standing there? Yeah. So he, we get a sort of a shot of the house and he walks out. I think we see a wide shot from the lake and it just kind of shows him walking really is all, but there's not really much to it. This whole scene is just kind of for how much of a, of a kind of a clean lake house look this is. I was, I'm always a little bit surprised by how dirty it kind of looks looks. like there's like leaves on the floor, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's not, not like filthy and especially like later you see later later shots it's not like this is worn down also but it's just not the um like the bruce penthouse that you kind of expect him to have from anything really i mean it 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 feels like it's in need of he's got a stack of newspapers on the table even i think it's just it's very not traditional everything put together bruce wayne i guess that's that's where we leave it um what a lovely introduction to the new Wayne Manor, I guess. That's where we'll leave it. We are actually going to get, I guess this is kind of the mood shift. So I guess that means it's time for me to take another step back and say, what the hell is it with the the pacing of this movie and hitting these transitions on milestone minutes? It was minute 20 was the exact same thing. And minute 30 did the exact same thing also. Yeah. 
And so now we've got, now we've got 45 and, and like you said, this is, it really feels like this is where, I don't want to say where the movie starts because we've said that a bunch of times already. And also it's not, I don't know. No, I feel, I feel like this would be when Lex, Lex's scene and the music and the fade to black and the musical shift and we get a mood change and now we're starting back up with Bruce. It feels like there was when you're reading a novel and you, and it, you turn the page and it says book two. Yeah. I didn't feel at the time like I was reading a segmented story, but that page alone is meant to imply a break. And it does feel like the same kind of break that the music and fade to black for like probably a second and a half of just black before mm-hmm. we come back to Bruce is meant to do the. Well, especially with the dream, the location of the dream sequence that feels very act transition-y kind of material. It's also the first, the movie started with it, right? Yeah. Like, and now the, we, the, the child Bruce's dream, adult Bruce's, well, I guess maybe that was adult Bruce's dream also. Yeah. I remember that was one of the very first questions that we had in the very first episode was who's which, speaking, right? Who is speaking? Yeah. Um, is that this Bruce saying in the dream, it took me to the light. Actually, that's a phenomenal contrast with um the demon in the tomb instead of instead of his mother um the the guiding light right in the dream that took me to the light and that's uh, ironically accidentally that's how i described what is supposed to be in that tomb <laughs> yeah is the light his light his guiding light um and it was a lie and we can unequivocally say that that bruce is not this bruce <laughs> yeah so he's aware of that also, um, what I forgot to point out at the time, when I think it's when the the demon comes out, or or right after when it goes to black before it switches, um, you hear the sound of the world engine, which I think is very much playing on his um, PTSD. There, obviously. Well, and we kind of mentioned the skyscrapers behind his image of the avenging angel as. He has like completely synthesized the trauma of his parents' death with the trauma of the death of his family when he met the Superman. And that's kind of fascinating too, because you gotta wonder if Lex, if he's in his head to that extent, because what he ends up later on, he writes, You let your family die on those papers, which really makes you wonder if he's really got Bruce's number to that extent. That he knows that's what torments him is the is the notion that he he would equate the death of Jack O'Dwyer and other Wayne employees to his parents dying and his inability to save them is hitting on the same exact trauma. Yeah, there's only one reading of it, really. Yeah, well, and imagine him trying to explain this to Alfred. <laughs> Right, like, and Alfred, he'd be like, Master Bruce, this is not, they died 30 years ago. Well, with that, speak of Alfred and he shall appear. But yeah, we will leave it there. Um, I guess we can remind people to uh, follow us on Twitter at BVS by the minute. Throw us our review in Apple Podcasts. Oh, you got it on the first try this time. Thank you to everyone who has given us a review. It means a lot. We wrap up here. Another milestone episode down. The best way to celebrate that? A fancy party.
The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if I land. Hmm. Two if I air. Hmm. 